I feel unlimited and where I can go in this world and where I can go by myself and the things that I can see. If I see something in a magazine, I know I can take myself there. I feel so grateful that I'm one of the people who get to experience and see the world in its full beauty. It feels like I owe it to all the women out there who can't travel, to all the women who've never been able to, to women who've been told where to go, what to do, where to stay, how their money's managed. And for me to have the complete freedom of you can go wherever your heart desires. You can learn whatever you want to do. You can wear whatever you want to at any point in time. It's everything. Hey everybody, this is Luke Menares and you're listening to the Solo Female Trailer Podcast the show dedicated to empowering and inspire women to embrace the unknown and travel on their own terms. Through a mix of solo episodes and guest interviews, you will listen to stories and insights from women around the world who have embarked on their own solo travel adventures. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode. Today, we are here with Jen Rees. Jen Rees is the founder of Jen on a Jet Plane and also a lawyer turned a full-time travel writer and content creator. And today, we are going to be talking about the power of flying solo. And Jen, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for being here with us. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me, Lou. I'm happy to be here. So, Jen, can we start the interview by having you, um, telling you a little bit about your stories and why have travel been a transformative experience for you? Sure. That's a big question that I think you don't really realize until after your trip, until maybe even years after where you see how much of an impact an experience can have on you. So I love that in traveling you always come away from it feeling like it was worthwhile. It's very hard. Even when things go wrong, you always have a funny story out of it most of the time. You know, things work out. It shows you that you can fix problems, that you can deal with things that are unexpected, that good things can come out of, you know, tricky situations. And so there's no real downside to traveling, even when you spend the money, right? Afterwards, you always think, wow, that was worth it. Or I'm so glad I did that. I'm glad I went when I had the chance. So I feel like travel is just a great investment of your time and energy. And it gives back to you because you can feel like you're accomplished. You can go somewhere that you set your sights to and make it happen. And that feeling of self-fulfillment of a big goal, that moment when you're actually looking at the thing that you've seen in books and you're seeing it now in person, it's such an incredible feeling that it's a feeling of triumph and of you know self-worth and and self-navigation and having the ability to make things happen for yourself and so I think that's why travel can really be transformative for a lot of people and why it can be addictive that after your first trip you end up wanting to take more and more got it and what was that moment that you were like you know what, I'm just going to go travel. Was there any moment, any um, particular experience that made you wanted to travel the war? There were several moments along the way for me. So always, I think travel I, has come to be a way that I mark 
milestones. Mm. And so it started with me and my mom taking a big two week trip throughout Europe as my high school graduation. And during that trip, I was able to navigate and find other things for us to do other than the Trafalgar tour that we had signed up for that had, you know, frozen peas and ham when we were in Italy. And I was like, mom, I feel like we could do better than this, right? I think we can, I can find us somewhere to go. Uh, and so that was my first taste of it. And then again, as I was graduating law school and I realized, you know, all of these years of higher education had passed by and I hadn't taken advantage of the ability to study abroad. Broad, and that maybe I had spent so much time focused on my career that I had missed that opportunity. So I took that, um, I took a course and then it came with an international travel aspect to it. And I spent a summer in Australia working with the Law Reform Commission there. And that was a really cool experience that helped me mark, you know, how accomplished I was that at this point I had been completing seven years of higher education. Uh, and that really felt like a great way to commemorate that and take advantage of that opportunity that wouldn't come around again. So there's always this kind of urgency with travel where you should go now because you never know when you'll be able to mark that again. So graduating high school, having that time with my mom, um, you know, doing that study abroad experience. And then again, and the big one that marked my career change was actually when I turned 29 and I set out on a 12 trips in 12 months challenge because I knew that I was never going to get my 20s back because I knew that that time had gone by and I focused so much on my career, but I wanted to feel more of how travel made me feel, right? There was that elusive living in the now, which for somebody who's very over-accomplished, like very type A, very accomplishment driven, I have a lot of um, anxiety as a result, right? I always think about the future. I'm always worried about what's going to happen. And travel is the only place where I actually live in the moment. Like I, you keep hearing it and people are like, just be in the moment. And I'm like, but how? And then uh, traveling was the only way where I didn't have to work to do that. It just was because you are bombarded by new sense, like new smells and new sights and new sounds. And you are aware because you're there and you're taking everything in. And so you're not so much in your head thinking about the future. You're just living right now. And that was something that I loved about travel as I was transitioning uh, and turning 30. That was a feeling I wanted to capture because so much of my job was um, worrying about, you know, almost like a chess match in terms of how you're playing trials and strategies. And so I always worried about the future. And I love that feeling of just live now, just enjoy today, just, you know, and see these amazing, beautiful things, even if it's not the pyramids of Egypt, which I've since seen and are great, but there's so much to be discovered and so much beauty and so many stories to be told, even in the smallest places, even in the nooks and crannies. And so I think that's the the marvel of traveling. That's what I captured in those instances. And that's what made me want to pursue it as a full-time job. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, I can definitely relate to the part of just being in the moment when you travel. I, I just know that here at home, again, I'm always thinking in the future. I'm thinking of the goals that I want to accomplish. And I have like this infinite to-do list every day of like, okay, of the things that I have to prepare and then the to-do list for the next day. And then when I'm traveling, it's just like, okay, just be here and now. And I also make sure that I'm not checking my phone constantly, maybe just in the morning and at night, but I'm not on my phone. Whereas back home, I'm usually on my phone preparing things. So yes. uh, 
Yeah. Um, so, Jen, now I want to ask you more specifically about solo travel. And in your experience, what have been some benefits of spending time alone? And also, what have you found out about the power of self-reflection? Well, I want to start by saying that there's no right or wrong way to travel, right? I mm-hmm. think traveling on your own, traveling with family, traveling with friends, it's all great and they all have their pros and cons. And for me, traveling solo started as something that it was, well, if nobody else will go with me, because that was originally the default of I should invite people with me, right? That was the original thought. And then I was like, well, if nobody will go, I can still go on my own. And then it's since transformed into the default of I'm taking this trip on my own. And if somebody's going to come, there better be a good reason that this person, you know, they're compatible with me. We travel well, you know, we're going to have similar goals while we're there because I've come to really love traveling alone. I think that it's amazing to have complete control over how you spend your day. I think, you know, on your timeline, on your schedule. So it's such an, a feeling of, of autonomy and then being able to you know, decide at what time am I going to wake up? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Am I just going to stay in the room today? It's so fun to get to make these decisions for yourself without having to be influenced by the opinions or input of others. That so many times we're just like, oh, whatever you want to eat, we'll go wherever you want to go. And it's nice to actually assert what do you want to do? And that's what we're doing today. That's what's on the itinerary today, all day. And that's so fun because you actually start to learn to enjoy that time with yourself and enjoy those interactions and enjoy honoring what you feel called to do, even if that is to take a two-hour nap after eating a ton of pasta in Italy, um, you know, for lunch. And that's great, like amazing that you're discovering that about yourself. And so um, for me, I, I learned that I really enjoyed my own company. I love marveling at things on my own. I love taking time to stroll, to smell the flowers, to sit and take things in, to look at people passing by. You know, it's not lonely, which I think a lot of people assume it will be. But when you're traveling somewhere new, you don't have that added heaviness of when you're kind of maybe even somewhere new, uh, um, but somewhere that you know, like if you go to your favorite bar and you're there by yourself, maybe you feel self-conscious, you think people will see you. But when you're traveling, you don't know anybody and nobody knows you and you're already a tourist. So people assume you're going to be out doing things. So there's not that added feeling that you put upon yourself of I should be accompanied. It's almost normal for you to be on your own and it's okay. And people don't look twice, right? You're here at a museum by yourself. Great. Enjoy the museum. And so you can really stroll in your own confidence and take things in on your own pace, you know, with yourself as your company and learn that it's fun to do that. You should enjoy picking and doing the things that you want to do. That's such a freedom and such a luxury in and of itself. Even if we're just, you know, talking about how you structure your day, you have full reins over that and you should really embrace that and, and love the process instead of dreading it. 
And so for me, even some places where I think um, people get hung up, like eating alone, uh, you know, dining at a bar setting where everybody's mainly there alone or at most like packs of two, people don't sit in a group of eight at a bar. Um, So you're not feeling awkward and they serve you the full meal there. You can usually get sat quicker. Like there's ways that you can get around that. I use that time when I'm dining. Usually most restaurants have free Wi-Fi and it can be hard to get that when you're traveling. So that's a good time to actually sit and catch up on your things with the free Wi-Fi, you know, message your mom to let them know you're okay, put your pictures up so that your friends saw what you did that day. Like that time actually goes by really fast. And that's time that you're, you know, spending it there and you're not being self-conscious about I'm dining alone, but you're actually doing things and you're not thinking about that. So it, there's so many ways to get past your initial hesitancy to being alone and once you do you'll find that you actually like it yeah no for sure definitely that's uh I mean that feeling of autonomy something that I have found out is that you know in our daily life especially if we live in the same household with other people or just with our friends we're constantly making agreements with other people just to keep the harmony you know like we will go eat where you know, most of us want to go and like just just this constant negotiation. And then when you're alone, like, hey, it's just you don't have to negotiate with anyone. You decide what you want to do over your day. And you gave us great examples um, about that. And I, I really like how much uh, you have mentioned Italy and pasta and food. And I just imagine just like, yeah, eating a big plate of pasta and taking a nap afterwards. <laughs> that just sounded amazing. <laughs> It's one of those places um, that, you know, it's so many people think is a typical tourist place. And I've been to a lot of off the beaten path places. But I think the feelings that I've had of pure elation of just like, mm-hmm, my life is awesome, have always been kind of rooted in Italy. Italy was one of the first places I went to when I graduated uh, high school. It's a country I've been to five different times and I to all different places, you know, the mountains, the coastline, Milan, you know, Rome, all the major cities. And it always delivers on what you're looking for, which is, you know, great history, culture, atmosphere. And so I I just think it's a great first place for somebody that's traveling abroad. And it's Mm -hmm. definitely one of those bucket list places. And it it just always, even as a seasoned traveler, I I would love to go back and explore more of Italy. So it's one of those countries I really love. Um, Greece is another, Spain is another, that that area definitely calls to me. Uh, My DNA test said I was from the um, Canary Islands, like 60%. So maybe that's why, maybe it's just like ancestrally, um, there's something about that area, the Mediterranean. Um, but in general, I think the, the key is knowing that you can go anywhere in the world and find experiences that you enjoy partaking in. Got it. Yeah. We, we always have that place. We, we always love to go back to because we, feel certain way. So, um, but now, Jen, I want to ask you about, you know, the, the self-reflection part and also tied it with the creativity part as well, because as you told us, you went to school for seven years and you were a lawyer and, you know, when you're a lawyer, there's like a lot of strategic thinking and actually negotiation as well, but coming like from a law education to being a full-time travel writer and content creator, um, there is a lot of uncertainty. I bet there was a lot of uncertainty when you took that leap. Um, Did you make that decision because 
you were traveling and you were like, okay, no, I just need, I, I need to make a big change in my life. Like how was, can you tell us how was that process? Sure. There is always a lot of uncertainty when yeah. you're an entrepreneur. Like, I think you just learn to live with it because you're worried about your business all the time and you have so many big goals and dreams and, and things fluctuate and you're responsible for your own success. But I, a part of me believes that even the sense of security that you feel at a traditional job is illusory because, you know, you can be so easily replaced. We've seen a lot of media layoffs, particularly in the travel writing sphere lately, where people who were major editors that were commissioning pieces now don't have a job the next day and they found out in the middle of a press trip. So I think there's an uncertainty everywhere. Yeah. And the difference is that entrepreneurs learn how to ride the wave. And so for me, the transition happened because I felt like law was not it for me. I felt like I had always been somebody who did the most possible. I tried to volunteer. I wanted to run for office and things. I wanted to be nominated for things. I wanted to keep excelling. And I found that where I was at, even having switched into a job that was much more supportive, that had much more, um, you know, available time off, better hours rather than the private firm, it's still even student loan repayment. It still felt like it wasn't it for me. I wasn't excited to be there. I wasn't trying to do more. I wanted to do the least amount of possible, leave and do my other things, work on my blog on the side. And so it felt counterintuitive to keep putting more gas onto a fire that I didn't want to nurture, right? And, and to keep trying to put my main energetic efforts into my career as a lawyer when I didn't have any ambition to continue progressing as a lawyer. Maybe when I started, I thought one day I would be a judge or I would run for office and I didn't feel excited about any of those prospects. And so it was such a clear decision that regardless of what happened, first, I do have a confidence that I can make money. And I think I've known that even just because I used to waitress for many years. So I've known that worst case scenario, I'm really good at balancing like eight different cups and plates and all that things. I still have my body, you know, full use and mobility, thankfully. So I can become a waitress and make $100 cash a day, you know, working at a minimum as that. So I always felt like I have skills, talents, things to fall back on, education, that I, I know I'll find ways to make money. But the question is, am I really doing what I want to be doing? Or am I just doing something because I think that's the only way to make money? And so with what I do now, uh, I had proof of concept before I quit. I did self-publish my first book. So I had proof of concept that I had I could make a digital product and sell it online. It became a bestseller in eight categories. It won a reader's favorite award. I had success with that book enough to know that if I can do this one time, I can do this many times and I can scale that income. I had my, uh, I was teaching English online. So I had proof of concept that remote work was possible back in 2018 before there was remote work. Uh, and so I knew that I could have that as a fallback, that I could make ends meet making $20 an hour teaching English online, that I had been doing that whole year already to supplement my income and pay for my travels. So I had these kind of backup plans set up. And then while I was just putting the bare minimum into that, I put all full steam ahead on other things, monetizing my blog, 
was a first priority because I knew I had a website that I'd kind of just been playing at for many years. I'd rebranded. I didn't know what, what I was doing. So I invested in an SEO course, a full day course and workshop. And I went in live and I learned search engine optimization, which at the time sounded scary. And now I know it's an integral part of my business. And I make passive income every month because my blog is part of the media buying publisher network. And I take that seriously. It's also how I generate leads for other things. And then as I dove head in, I was able to figure out what are other ways to monetize. And so I think one big thing also has been money mindset for me. And so knowing that how you make money is not the source of the money. It's one path for the money to get to you, but there's a whole like wall of money behind you. And the more holes that you can poke into that wall with holes being different income streams, different ways for the money to find you, the more ways that it'll come out. And maybe some of those won't be as, you know, big of a hole. Maybe it won't be like a, you know, your blog passive income or your book royalties or how much you get paid for influencer work, all of these things. But the more ways that you can find for the money to reach you, the better off you are. Whereas I think so many people like cling to one income stream, one little hole, and then they're like, I need this. Oh my God, or I'll never have access to the money anymore. Um, But that's not true. You always have that. That's just one way that you're making money. And so I think that that's been continuous learning and working and, and just it's still something that I do every single day. That's great. I, I really appreciate that you share all these because also there is this idea that, okay, I'm just going to quit my job and travel the world. Or if I become an influencer, all my problems will be solved. And it's like, no, there's like so much work that was, goes behind it. And, and you have to plan yourself as well. You, for example, you have proof of concept for your book first and then from the other things that you did after. So that's definitely very necessary. It's like, I know there's like, because of social media, it's very easy to think that, oh, I'm just going to quit my job and travel and all my problems will go away. And it's like, I mean, no. And then, yes, you can do that. But again, you have to create a plan. You have to create a strategy and you have to put yourself in a in a good position in case anything happened because at the end of the day it's life so you need to um to create many uh emergency plans just in case thank you so much uh jen for for sharing that and as i said i've been following you for a while and i truly love everything you have put out there on the internet so and now you're here so even i'm even more excited now <laughs> so um jen so now that you have done all these things and also you have traveled solo um can you share any personal experience while you were solo traveling and how have these impacted you as a person? Yeah, I've had so many cool experiences. I was actually just talking with my mom the other day. I forgot where I was. I think I was in Japan and I was telling her about whatever cool thing I was seeing there. Uh, I was in the outdoor forest and I was sending, because she loves nature. And so I was sending her, I was like, mom, this is an outdoor exhibit that they have in the uh, you know, bonsai garden or in the botanical gardens and that they have lit up at night. And so you can see all these things. And I just sent her some footage and she was like, you've seen so many beautiful things in your life. And I started thinking about that and how lucky I am. I've seen 
uh, glowworms in New Zealand. I've been inside a volcano in Iceland and seen the magma chamber. You know, I've stayed just recently at the Hobbit House in Guatemala and ate pizza that was cooked on an active volcano there. Uh, I've been to the oldest religious monument in the world and I've climbed, you know, to the top of Guanapichu and overlooked the ruins of Machu Picchu from a bird's eye view. I've done so many beautiful things and beautiful experiences all around the world. It's impossible for me to pick a favorite. I just pick a new one whenever people ask. I just kind of toss it up to however I'm feeling that day. Because really, I'm so I'm so grateful, whether it's desert, whether it's, you know, mountaintop, whether it's the middle of a, of a tranquil beach, you know, here in Puerto Rico, uh, not far from me, we have one of the top 10 beaches in the world, a flamenco beach. And so there's so many beautiful places that I have had the privilege of seeing. And I don't take that for granted. I almost think like I owe it to all the people that came before me, to my mom that never went to Europe until our first time going, uh, you know, when I graduated high school, to my grandma that when I told her I was going to spend a summer in Australia, asked if it was next to the UK. It is not. Um, but she has no concept of geography because she's never had a world open to her in that way before. And so really, I'm the first person who's been able to feel unlimited. I feel unlimited in where I can go in this world and where I can go by myself and the things that I can see. If I see something in a magazine, I know I can take myself there. You know, Japan was amazing. I went for cherry blossom season. I'm heading to Easter Island at the end of this month. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do in Easter Island for a week? And I know it's going to be epic. And I just love that my life is filled with those moments, I feel so grateful that I'm one of the people who get to experience and, and see the world in its full beauty. Uh, and I hope that I continue to see more and that I can continue to keep it up because it's it's really, it feels like I owe it to all the women out there who can't travel, to all the women who've never been able to, to women who've been told where to go, what to do, where to stay, how their money's managed. And for me to have the complete freedom of you can go wherever your heart desires. You can learn whatever you want to do. You can communicate with whoever you want to. You can wear whatever you want to at any point in time. It's it's everything for me. Like it's just the the whole point of me being here. And and it's why I love what I do and, and hopefully inspiring others to do the same. I really like that you use the word unlimited and like how you feel that way and and it's great it's great you're showing the way to to other women that that it is possible and and I mean you have done many things and I mean you keep on doing it going to Easter Island like that's that sounds amazing I'll be definitely looking out for your post because that's a place that that is that I, I want to go as well <laughs> I always have been curious about it and also, I mean, in my family as well, I am the, the person that has traveled coming from a small city back in Venezuela. Um, I have people in my family that have told me, for example, my brothers, like, hey, you know, I see you as an example because you always have gone and have done everything what you set your mind to. And even one day my grandma told me something like, I deeply admire that you just went for it. And and again, we we never know who are impacting, whether they are um, our family members or just people out there on the internet. Um, so that's, that's pretty amazing. Again, as I said at the beginning of the interview, you were 
support and inspiration to me at some point in my life when I wanted to to start my travel. So definitely using a word as unlimited is sounds amazing and just makes me think about all the the limitations that at the end we put on ourselves and but it it's able to to work through them. And so anyways, I just I'm just thinking about a lot of things right now. So um, thank you so, so much for sharing that. And also about having a one transformative experience in one place. It's, it's really hard to choose just one because, again, if you have seen so many things, but at least in my experience, I know I have one experience that was really helpful in that specific stage of my life. And that's kind of like how I look at them, because I know that I went to places that I needed to go in different stages of my life and that like really transformed me and 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 it wasn't not only about going to the place but also the people that I met at that place or or like the culture I, I was exposed to so now I want to ask you Jen um how can solo travel lead to unexpected connections and friendships yeah, I think that's the best part. Like you said, uh, when when you started talking about your experiences and, and the transformative, you know, moments that you had abroad, I immediately thought about who you were meeting while you were there because that's really what makes it worthwhile, right? And how when things happen for a reason. For me, I've had so many moments where I feel like almost as if there are angels sent to me at a moment in time to tell me the message I need to hear at the time I need to hear it. I really do feel that there's some sort of divine coordination in how we all cross paths because there have been so many moments while, while traveling that I felt like I was, I came across the people that I needed to come across and came away with the lesson that I needed. And so for me, there have been so many different moments of that uh, and examples of ways that I, I left with connection that I didn't expect to make. I think um, immediately to, to, you know, just a couple of stories that I shared in my TEDx talks, but doing um, the monasteries of Meteora and, and hopping into a vehicle with a, with a nine person Italian family that when I started the day kind of was an annoyance. I was still jet lagged. I was like, there's a lot of people on this tour besides me. It's basically like their private family tour and then me included. And how by the end of that experience, we had actually all become friends. And I was almost, you know, adopted into their family. The, um, you know, the, the son and the daughter from that family still contact me and, and find me online to this day, years later. And I inspired one of them to start a blog. So like you've said, that kind of chain reaction, you know, spending uh, three weeks at a homestay in Bali and, and thinking that I'm going to go there and it's going to have its own private entrance. Great. So I'm going to do minimal interaction with other people. And then um, coming out for breakfast and just sitting with the Balinese family and then having that lead to them inviting me to pray at their family temple and then having that lead to them inviting me to a special holiday and observance at the local neighborhood temple, um, you know, getting to wear the attire there, getting to actually partake in things like a local. These are not things that I went there thinking. I went there thinking, I want to stay somewhere with a private entrance so I don't have to interact as much in a like homestay center, <laughs> you know, that leads them to a kitchen. And I had that, but I just didn't expect for people to look out for me so much, to want to connect with me, to practice their English with me, to really um, 
take an interest in my trip and how it went and the things that I saw while I was there. You know, the father of, of the homestay family, he often drove me on the tuk-tuk free of charge places that would have cost me money otherwise. But he's like, oh, I'll take you to the gas station, things like that. And so there's so many ways that people go out of their way, not just in a hospitality setting, but in general, because they want you to leave their country with a good impression of their country. They are proud of where they live. There are things that they want to show you. And nobody wants you to leave and say, that country sucked. I hated it. There was nothing there. Like It doesn't matter if there are whatever the actual you know, perceived drawbacks are of living there, people take pride in living there wherever it is in the world. It does not matter what you think of it, where it ranks on the hierarchy of like best countries, happiest countries, anything like that. It could be someplace that you think is maybe not even safe. I went to visit Qatar right before the World Cup. And I know a lot of people were doing a lot of negative press regarding Qatar. And so it was very interesting for me to talk to the people who live there. And the people who live there want you to walk away with a good impression. They don't want you to walk away feeling like this was horrible. I didn't like it there. So in my experience, that's the common thread when you go somewhere is that they want to show you the best of what they have to offer. And people knowing that you're there, if you go with curiosity, if you go with genuine good intentions, if you go with an openness and a willingness to learn, uh, you will get a lot further than if you go demanding that people speak English, asking to be, you know, having everything made in a way that you're accustomed to it. I think so long as you go wanting to genuinely learn, people will want to genuinely show you. People really even if you don't understand the word they're saying, I just got back from Japan where it really is not easy to get around. People do not speak a lot of English. And this, I went to this one artist who was there um, painting. And so he ended up coming out and he could see that I genuinely wanted to know more about these paintings. I genuinely wanted to know more about the subject and what was in there. So he went and got a like voice translation machine so he could explain to me who is in this, who is this princess? You know, what is she wearing? What are these things? I want to know. And he wants to share. That's his work. That's what he's doing. He takes pride in it. So I think it really just comes from a point of inquisitiveness and wanting to genuinely find out a level of ease and patience and not demanding that things be done at a, at a full American schedule, because that can be really difficult when you're used to that. Um, but I think if you go with that, you will find that people are very receptive and want you to have a great time. So curiosity, open-mindedness, generity, and ease. I, I definitely agree with that. And as you said, not demanding that everything is on an American schedule. I mean, if you left the country, if you left the United States to go experience a different culture, you cannot demand, you, you are the visitor there. You have to adapt to how things are done there. Um, for example, something to me that I always talk about is uh, Latin America and and their definition of time. You know, like you, you're supposed to be, for example, in one place at four and then, you know, people show up later is how their schedule works. I I cannot demand anything because that's how, how it is there. So um, definitely very important not to come with that entitlement attitude for sure. And, and yeah, just being open to what the locals want to want to share with you because that's where where the best experience happen and you realize how much kindness the, there is out there in the world and how much people are willing to take care of you. And also when they see you, at, at least that I've done most of my travel alone, when they 
see me traveling alone, like their first response is to be like, hey, come on, we we will take care of you. Or like we will drive you to the bus station and come eat with our family. And it's just like, wow, I, man, it's just, I feel my heart to have those experiences. Um, so now I, I want to ask you, Jen, the why, why do you think these interactions are so meaningful? I think because of, of that, that you mentioned how it's at the right place at the right time. So it really reminds you that even though maybe things feel out of control or maybe things feel like unclear, usually traveling, there tends to be a sense of synchronicity to the universe and how things are happening. And you come back just feeling a little bit more plugged in to yourself and, and to, you know, the universe, I, I want to say, and how, how it's really working out in your favor. Uh, and I think you see that with plans, even when the best laid plans don't go through, you see that things work out in your favor, that, that everything, you know, ends up being for the best. And so these connections that you make along the way, these experiences that you have along the way, they all contribute to your learning. And they're all part of why you come back a changed person. And so they're wonderful. They shouldn't be avoided. I think we spend so much of our time inside introspective working on things that there's something to be said for just being social creatures and just being out and interacting with others saying hi versus getting on an elevator and not talking to anybody and hoping to get off with like minimal interaction and minimal talking which is how we're trained as, as people who live in cities or people who are always you know in that u.s rush mentality and so actually taking a moment to be social, to ask questions, to learn from other people. It's a nice and refreshing pace to have that interaction. We're meant to not be alone. Uh, we're meant to we're meant to be with others. We're meant to learn from others. We're meant to bounce ideas off of others. Even if you meet people where you're just like, wow, what they're saying is 100% untrue. I had that the other day where I was walking in with a guide and I had taken this particular um, tour. I'm very familiar with it. And I was like, he's just saying a bunch of things that are inaccurate, but I like his energy. And I like, you know, um, like, so you, I think it's fun to get to have these experiences. And I think part of it is the spontaneity of you don't know what's going to happen that day. We schedule ourselves so much. We have so much routine for ourselves that when you're coming across these people, when you're making these connections, when you're open to new things coming your way, you don't know what's going to happen. And you alluded to that somewhat with people inviting you places. Uh, I think I, I personally point it solo travel magic. Uh, where when people see you're alone, when you have that energy, a lot of things come your way that you didn't expect. Invitations, free gifts. I had personally an opera that was dedicated to me midway uh, because I arrived there early, because I was showing interest, because I was talking to the opera singers and they made that special dedication for me right before the intermission. Uh, and so it's solo travel magic. I think you'll find that when you're traveling alone, you don't know what's going to happen. It's better than what you expected. And it's something that will make you feel rewarded for having taken the risk and put yourself out there and, and reassure you that it was exactly how it was meant to be. I love the term, solo travel magic. And thank you so much for uh, bringing up the definition. Um, but wow, Jen, I mean, thank you so much for this conversation. I know 
the topic of this uh, of this podcast episode was the power of flying solo, but we talk about so many things related to solo travel, but then we also got so many mindset tips and then we talk about meaningful experiences. So it's been an absolute joy to having you here on the podcast. And again, thank you so much for your time. So now I want to ask you for anyone listening that wants to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. You can find me at jenonajetplane.com. That's my blog. And then I'm also on all the social media channels, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at jenonajetplane. My books are on Amazon under Jen Ruiz. Thank you so much, Jen. I will make sure to leave all the links to, to your social media and to your books on the, on the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lou.